You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s and Niner faithful. This is Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks. It's crossover Thursday. Glad to be joining up with Brian Peacock of Locked On Niners. Brian, we've got a huge game coming up on Sunday. Seahawks 49ers rekindling their rivalry. A couple weeks ago, it looked like maybe the 49ers were already down and out with all the injuries that they have had at this point. And yet, they came back from that 43-17 loss to the Dolphins. And suddenly, they look like a dangerous team again the last two weeks, beating the Rams and annihilating the Patriots, a team that looked pretty good when they played against the Seahawks earlier this year. And San Francisco ran them out of their own building. So suddenly this game, the Seahawks coming off their first loss of the season, maybe not feeling as good as they did early in the year, and San Francisco being hot, this has the makings of being another outstanding game between these two bitter rivals. Oh, yes. This this game for sure, and just the rest of the season, looking at the schedule and how things get a little bit more difficult for a lot of these teams and how tight the division is right now with the 49ers winning last week and the Seahawks losing. Suddenly, th- this thing's really tight. If the Niners win this week, uh, we're going to have four teams with with five wins here and potentially a, a four teams in the playoff hunt when we're, we're talking about another matchup in week 17. So uh, this is going to be a lot of fun and the season really gets cooking this week and I can't wait to see it. Yeah. At century link field. If it's anything like the last time these two teams got together, <laughs> then we're going to be in for a treat. And quite frankly, that seems to be the only game the Seahawks seem to be able to play these days. <laughs> they, they have had chances to beat teams by double digit scores and yet they continue. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose. They continue to find ways to let teams back in games late and they've gotten lucky several times to escape with victory. That did not happen on Sunday night with the Cardinals. They let the Cardinals tie the game. And even when Arizona missed a field goal and gave Seattle another chance to go down and score Russell Wilson. I don't know what was up with him the other night. I've never seen him make three just, I want to say boneheaded throws in one game like that, that all got picked off. It wasn't like there was a pass tipped up in the air or anything. They were just blatantly bad decisions made by him that destroyed an otherwise really good game from him. And so now they're going into this one. I feel like for both these teams, that this really is a must-win game. Obviously, the 49ers are three losses. Their NFC West life, as far as winning the division, they need to win as many games as possible, being a couple games out of first place. But from the Seahawks' perspective, if they lose this game, as you mentioned, I think they would drop down to third place in the division just like that, and you're going to end up with four teams basically neck and neck. And so, again, I think this is a huge game for both teams, and I'm looking forward to seeing – what San Francisco brings to the table. They've lost a lot of players. Seattle's had a lot of injuries this week. They're hurting. So neither team's going to be making excuses. It's still going to be a game with two very familiar teams that know each other well. They're going to be relying on their run game. Seattle, I think, maybe this week going to be a little more difficult for them to do that because I don't know what healthy running backs they're going to have this week. The 49ers are in kind of a similar situation. (laughs) So nonetheless, still plenty of star power. It's going to be a fun game to watch. Luckily for the 49ers, it doesn't matter. And in fact, the uh, the running backs seem to get better and better the further they go down the depth chart they with their really undrafted do. free agents. And we might see that this week again with uh, with Jermichael Hasty, who I'm a huge fan of. And he, he's definitely got some juice and is a perfect Shanahan running back. Um, I, I want to rewind just a little bit here because I, I'm looking at these teams and I'm looking at some of the opponents these teams have faced 
with NFC West and NFC East, I think this division's been very lucky that they get to play those teams this season. And I don't know how much, especially the Seahawks, have been challenged right now. So how much do we actually know about these teams? And uh, I, I put out a tweet a couple of days ago about games that that uh, NFC West teams have won against winning teams. And the only teams that had winning records that they, they've beaten are other NFC West teams until the Rams uh, in prime time did beat the Chicago Bears. That was the first out-of-division game that, a, that a, a winning record was taken down by an NFC West team. So what do we even know right now about the 49ers? And I'll put it to you. What do we know about the Seahawks after they, they lost against one of the best teams they faced this year? Well, I think at this point, what we know about the Seahawks is they've underachieved. I know that they're five and one, but if you've seen the way this defense is playing, and I'll have more time to talk about specifically the issues that they've had later in the show, but they're giving up almost 370 passing yards per game. It's unbelievable saying that number. It's just still startling when you consider the amount of talent that they have in the back half of that defense. Now, they have had injuries, but really the best win that the Seahawks have to this point is their road win in Miami, which continues to look better by week. And Mm -hmm. the 49ers know how good that the Dolphins looked against them on the road, nonetheless, coming to San Francisco and getting that win. And so the one thing I can say about the Seahawks is they, they really, they've only had one game against an NFC East opponent and they got to play the Cowboys when they still had Dak Prescott before everything completely went off the rails And so some of the other NFC East teams are going to benefit from that. Some of the other NFC West teams, I should say, are going to benefit from facing a Cowboys team that's got Andy Dalton or whoever they end up playing as their third stringer if they stick with their rookie out of James Madison or they bring another veteran in. So the rest of that division, it's it's the worst division I've ever seen. It makes the NFC West from 2010 look like juggernauts with with a three or four Super Bowl contenders. That's how bad it's been. So <laughs> I think we've learned that this team is underachieved. But like you said, you know, going into the year, I thought that you know you play the Patriots, the Vikings, some of the teams they played. I thought were going to be decent football teams, and that it's turned out they are not. They are all bad football teams, and so. I don't really know what to make of that 5-1 and one record other than they just haven't played as well as expected, but yet they've won games that they should have won for the most part. It's a fascinating game, and, and I can't wait to watch it Sunday. The 49ers are in a similar boat, except for they've lost a couple of those games, but they're getting healthier, and they've been hit as hard as any team in the NFL with their injuries, and I think one of the best keys we saw last week against the Patriots was that Jimmy Garoppolo was getting the ball down the field a little bit, starting to favor that ankle less and trusting a little bit more, and Kyle Shanahan trusting Garoppolo to throw it downfield a little bit more because if this game turns into a shootout, They're going to have to throw the ball past the sticks a little bit in the last two weeks, especially that Rams game plan was all running game. And even the passing game was actually the running game. Shovel passes, uh, very few air yards, throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage, screen passes to wide receivers. And, uh, and, you know, of course, the running game, as you would expect from a Shanahan offense. So the 49ers this week, if it's a shootout, which it looks like uh, Vegas thinks it is, uh, 53 and a half is the number. It's definitely the highest number the 49ers have had for an over-under this year. Then they're going to have to stretch the ball out a little bit and try to take advantage of that Seahawks defense that is uh, sputtering right now. And we're going to be talking 49ers offense versus Seahawks defense when we come back. Jimmy Garoppolo now looking healthy, going against a Seahawks defense that might be getting one of its best players back this week, but Not 100% sure whether that's going to be the case in Seattle on Sunday or not. We'll be right back here on Crossover Thursday, Seahawks versus 49ers edition. 
Have you visited rockauto.com yet? If you haven't, you need to because it's the best place to go to keep your car running at an optimal level. If you need accessories for your vehicle, if you need anything at all involving your vehicle, it is such an amazing selection at rockauto.com and their prices are always reliably low. Why go to other retailers when uh, they have such a limited stock and you don't know what they're even ordering on the other side of a computer screen. You can go find exactly what you need for your make and model. A ridiculous selection at rockauto.com and keep your vehicle on the road. Or maybe even add some fun aftermarket parts, right? Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com with a unique catalog, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome back to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a huge game coming up between the Seahawks and 49ers at CenturyLink Field. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, joining forces with Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. Let's talk 49ers offense against Seahawks defense. Obviously, we're going to be delving into the issues Seattle has had at this point, but San Francisco offensively really struggled the first month or so of the season. And a lot of it revolved around Jimmy Garoppolo's health. He got injured early in the year, that game against the New York Jets where they lost Nick Bosa for the year. A number of other players got hurt. Garoppolo suffered an ankle sprain, came back for the Dolphins game and ended up getting benched in the second half because he played horribly, clearly not healthy. I guess that's my first big question for you. Does this just come down to Garoppolo now just being healthier, that he's playing better the last couple games, getting his confidence back? Or has it been because they've been able to get some of these young receivers like Brandon Ayuk going here the last few weeks as well? Yeah, I think it's a real combination of things because they were without Debo at the start of the year. They're going to be without Debo mm-hmm. again this week, and then you were, you know, the, then you're just leaning on a, a rookie wide receiver in Brandon Ayuk, and then Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, and the, the running game, and there was just there were so many injuries that the offense could never get in sync. I think, and that was early in the season. Then after Garoppolo got hurt, then you had to wait for him to come back and. They tried C.J. Beathard a little bit. They tried Nick Mullins a little bit. And the offense just completely wasn't holding up their end of the bargain, even though the defensive side of the football was was doing, I think, a, a fantastic job. And then you saw Kyle Shanahan say, OK, well, screw it. Our quarterback's got a bad ankle. We're just going to turn the passing game into the running game and we're going to throw shovels at you and uh, try to stretch the, the field horizontally as much as possible. And it worked. And the offense all of a sudden took off. And I think we saw a lot of confidence with the offensive line, who wasn't playing great at the beginning of the year. And then the ball got rolling a little bit. And then they blew out the Packer or they blew out the Patriots and really dominated there in that game. It was a similar game plan, but they started to stretch things out a little bit. And if that continues, then I think that bodes well for the 49ers offense from a confidence standpoint, from a pass protection standpoint, from Jimmy Garoppolo being healthy and being uh, the efficient passer that the 49ers need him to be, and, of course, players like Brandon Ayuk developing. And he is electric when the ball is in his hands, and they even dialed up a couple of deep balls, and, and they hit one last week. So that's a very good sign for the 49ers offense to be varied and be able to attack a defense in different ways because I don't think the game plan, as brilliant as it was at the time against the Rams a couple of weeks ago, was going to be something they were going to be able to dial up every single week. It was just... They're, they're, it was just 
it wasn't varied enough of an attack. And so very good signs last week against the Patriots that it's trending in that direction. And they're going to have to lean on Garoppolo to put up some points this week based on what it looks like the Seahawks are going to be able to do uh, offensively and, and how they're playing on defense. Yeah, the big issue here is all about the Seahawks secondary because going into this season, trading for Jamal Adams, trading for Quentin Dunbar, obviously Dunbar had a pretty interesting offseason after being acquired, but nonetheless, he's been playing. He's back in the lineup after missing a couple games with injury. Jamal Adams did not practice today due to an illness, and they still had this groin injury that's cost him the last three games on that injury report as well. So who knows if he's going to be available on Sunday for this game or not. They have not really had – they've had one full game with their four projected secondary starters because the second game of the season against New England, Diggs got ejected for a targeting penalty late in the first quarter. So they had most of the game without their free safety, and then Adams gets hurt the next week. They had two games without uh, Quentin Dunbar, and so they've had to rely on Trey Flowers a bunch, and he has had a – horrific season so far so Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be eyeing over there because Shaquille Griffin now is hurt he's in concussion protocol and has a small hamstring injury to go with it so he might not be available Sunday it's just this group has struggled so much they've given over given up over 2,800 passing yards this year through six games the most in NFL history and I just look at the players that they have I know they've had injuries but it's just stunning to me that they have been that bad this season. So San Francisco is probably looking at this game thinking, this is a great opportunity for us to be able to get this passing game going. But I would be remiss to avoid the run game because you and I both know that that's how the 49ers offense gets rolling, running the football. And I'm convinced at this point, Brian, I'm 31 years old. I have not ran a football in 14 years. <laughs> I am convinced that you could put me behind that 49ers line in that scheme and for at least a couple carries before they had to take me off the field on a stretcher that I could run the football behind that line. Was, I'm just convinced at this point. What is the scouting report on Corbin Smith? Can you see that cutback lane on the stretch play? Because that's key. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I can't get there quickly, but I can <laughs> I can see the cutback lane and uh, run over people. I probably could still do that. But my point being, it just seems like, and like you said, every running back they put in, it seems to get better and better. And this is a system, the Shanahan run game. Back when Mike Shanahan was coaching the Broncos, they did the same thing. They'd pull a guy out of uh, middle of whatever, we could say middle Kentucky State, and we're going to put him in the backfield, 1,000-yard rusher. And they're doing the same things now in San Francisco. So I know from the Seahawks perspective, yeah, there's some weapons on the outside. They're worried about George Kittle, but they don't want to let this run game get going so that that play action passing game can feed off it. Because if you let them do that, this is going to be a long afternoon with the way this defense is played. Absolutely. Olandis Gary. I don't know what school he went to, but that's one of the favorite names I like to bring up talking about a Mike, a Mike Shanahan. Yeah, Mike Anderson had some huge seasons there. And uh, one of the greatest trades of all time, by the way, was Clinton Portis for Champ Bailey. I mean, what kind of a steal of a like looking back now, knowing what we know about Shanahan and running backs and what running backs are worth versus what a, a perennial all pro cornerback is worth. Oh, my gosh, what a heist. That was a fantastic trade. But this is Mike's son, Kyle Shanahan, and he's not that different from his dad as as, as much as you would think he's like that young offensive mastermind that wants to throw the ball a million times. He's pretty old school in, in the way he does things on offense, and he absolutely wants to run the ball, and he even has a target number of runs that he wants. He wants to run at least 30 times in a game, and that, that's sort of an old school mentality, and 
Uh, they want to play bully ball. That's what the 49ers want to do. We saw in the playoffs last year. We started to see it the last couple of weeks. And, and when they get that thing rolling, it's it's hard to stop that train sometime. And they, they talk about the complimentary football, that the role that running game plays in the passing game and also helping out their defense. So absolutely, the running game is the number one key for the 49ers offense pretty much every week. Yeah, the Seahawks run defense could be getting a major boost this weekend. He has not been promoted yet, but... He's now in his fourth week in the team. Damon Snacks Harrison. This would be a great game to get the big 350-pound mm-hmm. wrecker in the middle because when he's playing on his A game, you're going to have a really difficult time moving him. And this is a run defense that was pretty good the first four games, but they've given up 360 rushing yards in the last two games. Most of the Arizona game, I thought they were pretty good. Then they ran out of gas late. And so that is going to be their number one priority, trying to slow down that run game. If they can get Damon Harrison in, all their linebackers are healthy. Rookie Jordan Brooks had a really nice debut in his first NFL start, and he can fly all over the place. If they can maintain their run fits and the interior defensive line does a good job, holding up at the point of attack. I think that's ultimately what is going to decide this football game on both sides. I know Russell Wilson's playing quarterback as well as anybody, but I think this is a game where the trench play on both sides is really going to be a factor, particularly for the Seahawks when they're trying to slow down San Francisco's offense. Because I just know, like you said, when that ball gets rolling and the 49ers are running the ball well, the play action off it to get the football to Kittle, and now Brandon Ayuk and Kyle Juszczyk, it is a snowball effect, and it's extremely difficult to slow down an offense once they get going and your defense gets worn down quickly. So that's going to be a fun little chess match. They're a little different game plan the Seahawks have had to deal with with some of their opponents that have come out slinging the rock. I expect the 49ers are still going to stick with what they do best and run the football. When we come back for the next quarter, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to be looking at the Seahawks on offense going against the 49ers on defense. And then some real quick predictions. Who's going to get the pivotal NFC West victory on Sunday? We'll be right back here on Crossover Thursday. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. I'm Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks. Joining me from Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock. Last quarter, we looked at the 49ers offense against the Seahawks on defense. And Seattle's really struggled defensively. But on or on the offensive side of the football, they have led the NFL almost 34 points per game. But I think the most surprising thing here, we got to look at what the 49ers are doing because all of the injuries they had, they lost Nick Bosa early in the season. They don't have D4. Solomon Thomas went down. They lost in the offseason to Forrest Buckner, who they traded to the Colts. So they lost a number of key players to injuries and trades and free agency. They lost some guys too. And yet, after that 43-17 loss to the Dolphins, the last two weeks suddenly it looks like this defense – is playing at the level they did last year. They're in the top five, top six, in a number of key categories defensively, and that's been skewed a bit by the fact that everybody seems to be giving up more points this season than we've ever seen before. But still, Robert Sala has done a fantastic job with his team, and so I want to talk about the defensive line here first because you would think when you lose Bosa and Thomas and having lost Buckner in the offseason that that was going to be a real struggle for them to be able to generate pressure, and yet 
Kerry Hyder has been one heck of a reclamation project with three and a half sacks for them this year. Deion Jordan, who the Seahawks know well, he spent a brief time in Seattle, has come off the practice squad, gotten a three quarterback hits in the sack for them. What has been clicking for this group, especially the last couple of weeks, is they've really been able to start turning the heat up on quarterbacks. You know, I think one of the things is they haven't gone into panic mode except for that Miami game. And and really, there was one too many injuries finally for that defense to overcome. And you mentioned Bosa and Richard Sherman and Solomon Thomas and and D Ford's been out and he's pushing a sled on the side now at, at practice. So he might at, at some point get back this season, even though he's been dealing with like chronic injuries. And I, I have my doubts whether we'll ever see him again. But it's rare that a team can lose three first round players on their defensive line and still have two more. They have their first rounder from this year in in uh, Javon Kinlaw, who's shown flashes. He, he still needs to work on consistency, but he's a monster inside and makes at least one wow play per game, and, and definitely effort and talent is there. So the future is bright for him. Consistency is a big issue. And then Eric Armstead, who's one of their best players on the defensive line that nobody really talked about, and, and they paid him like a star player, and they even traded away DeForest Buckner uh, who made still quite a bit more money than Armstead and decided to pay Armstead instead. And he's been playing well, and he's been anchoring that defensive line. They have DJ Jones inside playing that one technique nose tackle who's played very well. And then the uh, cast of characters in there just just playing like maniacs. And I think that's the calling card of Robert Saul's defense and defensive line coach Chris Kosera because he just has his players playing like animals up front, and Kerry Hyder, you mentioned it, even though he's not body beautiful, he plays his butt off, and he's been making an impact. So the 49ers have found a way to still make an impact up front, and still in a lot of ways, despite losing so much talent, it's been one of the strengths still of their team up front, and they've shown that they have plenty of depth in the back seven to cover some of the other injuries. And so uh, they've played very similar ball than what they did last year, even though the cast of characters has looked a little bit different last week. They had two brand new starters at safety in Tarverius Moore and Marcel Harris. And a lot of people thought maybe Tarverius Moore has been played even better than Jimmy Ward's been playing at free safety. So depth has been huge for the 49ers. They haven't had to deviate too much from their scheme. A few more timely blitzes than than normal from Robert Sala. He usually likes to rush four, but we've seen some more blitzes, and, he, and he's dialed those up at timely moments, which has been key. But the fact that they still have enough talent on the, on the field and that they're still playing their butts off is uh, definitely a testament to some great coaching on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, the Seahawks are not going to be sleeping on that line the way they've played the last two games. But you know that they're looking at this, especially with the way the Seahawks offensive line has played this year. They've been one of the most improved position units across the board in the NFL. They've done a great job protecting Russell Wilson. Even this last game, they didn't give up a sack until overtime. And that really wasn't the offensive line's fault. It was a pass protection mishap by the running back in the backfield. And so the offensive line has been much better for Seattle. So I'm sure they're going to this game still thinking, you know what? We don't have to worry about Nick Bosa or Solomon Thomas with those two guys being out. They don't have Buckner anymore. They're still good players, obviously. But I still look at this as a game where the Seahawks should be able If they have enough healthy running backs, that's going to be the key here. If they have enough healthy running backs, I think this is a game that they can move the ball on the ground some and open up those play action opportunities with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, David Moore on the outside. They're going to be taking their shots. This is the let Russ cook era. They are not going to be running the ball 40 times in this game, most likely, (laughs) but they this is a game, though, I think, and especially if they can get a guy like Chris Carson back. Right now, I'm not optimistic he's going to be able to play in this game, but even Carlos Hyde, who 49ers fans obviously know really well, 
he's had some issues staying healthy, but he's looked really good when he's been out there. So if you have him and their rookie DJ Dallas has some potential, then they can still run the football, and they really like the line that they have up front. But going back to those receivers, you mentioned the secondary. No Richard Sherman in CenturyLink Field this weekend. Still not back from his calf injury. Probably still a few weeks away from being off injured reserve. But that group has really impressed the last couple of weeks. They had a rough one against the Miami Dolphins. The whole team did. But they've really bounced back. And I've got to ask you about Jason Verrett because – you know, I haven't done as much the last couple of years in terms of really deep diving in the draft, but there was a time that I did. And Jason Verrett was one of my favorite corner yeah. prospects that I have ever scouted coming out of TCU. And he was so good when he first got in the NFL and then he just could not stay healthy. And for him to be out there now doing what he's done, he's had an interception in that game against the Rams, three pass deflections just how much of a godsend has he been coming back? And do you think that he is going to be used a lot against Tyler Lockett in this game? Because if he's fully healthy, which he's looked like he is, with his quickness, that's the type of corner that can have success against a guy like Lockett, who's coming off a 200-yard receiving game. Yeah, it's uh, Verrett has been amazing. Oh, and by the way, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, I forgot to mention Fred Warner earlier when I was talking about the, the 49ers front seven. And I just wanted to talk about how he was the best, the best linebacker in the NFL. Wanted to throw that out there for my 49ers listeners. Uh, and I know your Seahawks listeners are going to say, what? Uh, maybe, what about the other 54? But I wanted to make sure I got that out there first. But Jason Verrett has been amazing. And uh, and I'm with you, man. He was a draft darling a few years back. And he is showing a lot of, and he might not be as athletic after all those lower body injuries, but man, his footwork is so great. His eyes are so great. His instincts, his instincts. Yeah, he is not afraid to get beat, and he is just always ready to just close on the ball and make a play on the football, and, and we, he's made some amazing plays already. So uh, losing a guy like Richard Sherman, it has absolutely been a godsend for the 49ers defense to have a guy like Jason Verrett back there and playing at the level he's playing, and... Uh, I haven't seen the statistics this week, but after last week's game, he had the lowest quarterback rating when targeted in the entire league at cornerback. So that's what kind of level uh, Jason Verrett is playing at. And you're seeing that textbook close on the ball. You're seeing those instincts and those great eyes. Uh, and it's really fun to see that. And the guy on the other side who's the most underrated player right now in the 49ers secondary is Emmanuel Mosley. And that was really the the backbreaker when they had lost so many starting caliber players and he absolutely is a starting caliber corner in the NFL that they had to pull up a guy off the street and Brian Allen start him in that uh, in that Miami Dolphins game and it was just a debacle they were they were up against the wall there but uh, getting Emmanuel Mosley back and pairing him with Jason Verrett uh, it's it's been awesome and, and they've played fantastic now they have their biggest challenge coming this week in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and I don't even know if there is a way that you can defend both of those guys at the same time we had talked about this on the peacock and williamson podcast for wednesday and, and i wanted to ask you that question how do you defend do you have to try to take away one and let the other guy catch 15 for 200 yards like uh, the cardinals did last week or is there a way to try to slow down both of those receivers because i was looking at the 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 target percentage and the air yard percentage and uh, they've got 70 percent of the air yardage so far in the seahawks offense so it's I mean, it, the, both those guys are eating, and I don't see how you can take away both players at the same time. It's hard enough to take away one. Nobody has been able to do that yet this season because the two games before Sunday's game in Arizona, 
Tyler Lockett had been pretty quiet, but DK Metcalf had huge games. And so nobody has proven they can do that yet. New England couldn't do it with their stud corners that they've got. And so that's really been an issue. I think really the wild card in all of this has been David Moore, who's got well over 200 receiving yards. He has truly emerged now as their number three receiver. I know they were hoping to get Philip Dorsett back for this game. It's not looking like that's going to happen. He did return to practice today but he has not been activated yet from the injured reserve. So maybe he'll end up playing this week. It would surprise me, but nonetheless, David Moore has done a fantastic job, and they've got a rookie in Freddie Swain that has been an absolute stud sixth-round pick for them. Last game was actually the first game all year that he did not have a reception. And so having a couple guys like that, and of course Greg Olson and Will Disley at tight end, Disley's really starting to turn the corner the last couple games, making some plays now that he's – nearly a year now completely removed from his Achilles injury so they've got all those weapons around you can't really afford to use bracket coverage against either one of those receivers because then you're just leaving several other guys open it really is a conundrum and that's one of the reasons their offense has been so explosive all season averaging 33.8 points per game so I really do have the matchup I know that Mosley's been playing well I'm just curious how he matches up against DK Metcalf, who is going to be hungry after last week only having two Mm -hmm. receptions. And a lot of it was just Russell Wilson was getting the ball to Tyler Lockett. Good coverage by Patrick Peterson, but Lockett was getting open. He had the hot hand of that game. This feels like a game where DK Metcalf, as well as the 49ers secondary, is playing. When he's on, I just don't know who you put on him with his size and his athleticism and his improved route running now to go with it. He's, he's just on a different stratosphere as far as his size, athleticism metrics. Uh, He's a, he's a scary human being. I would not want to line up against him. And and I don't think it's going to be a situation where anybody travels. The 49ers this year have been playing a little bit of a, a field and boundary corner situation. So most likely it'll be Jason Verrett playing the field with a little bit more room on that side as a corner. And then on the other side, closer to the boundary, depending on what hash you're on, will be, um, Emmanuel Mosley so that's kind of the way they've been playing it and I'm very interested to see if they keep somebody over the top a little bit more play uh, a little bit more even coverage on the back end you know a little bit more cover two rather than cover three and they, they've played a lot more cover four this year as well which would make some sense and try to let guys catch it underneath and then rally to go make a tackle and try to make sure you have somebody over the top on DK Metcalf because that is just one scary human being and I'm glad you mentioned David Moore, too, because there's been times where I've seen him make catches in the Seahawks game. I'm like, man, there's another catch for DK Metcalf. And I was like, oh, no, that's the, that's the other big receiver in David Moore. So, uh, yeah, they, they have a multitude of weapons they can go to in the passing game. And, man, with the way that uh, Russ is cooking right now, it's a frightening proposition, which is why I talked about the 49ers offense needing to do their job to make sure the 49ers defense isn't out on the field all day. Yeah, if you leave them out there all day and you're letting Russ cook, especially – Uh, at a home game it it could be a recipe for disaster the way that he's been playing this year that being said uh, this is the perfect defense for the 49ers to be able to put some points up against because Seattle's given up a ton of points this year they've been able to create enough turnovers where they're not at the bottom of the league like they are in yardage totals but they have not been good in scoring defense either they've had their share of issues both defending the run and particularly defending the passing game let's get to predictions here real quick Last year, these two teams played in a 26-21 slugfest that Seattle was centimeters away from winning at the end, and Jacob Hollister was stopped just short of the goal line. It just seems like these teams, when they get together, we know the bad blood that they've got, and now that the 49ers clearly 
are back the last couple of seasons. They've had some injuries this year, but they're playing well. I'm anticipating this is going to be a really close game. But before I give my prediction, what are you thinking here in this game at CenturyLink? Well, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan is going to have some very special stuff concocted for that Seattle Seahawks defense. And, and, and a lot of times with these divisional matchups, and these teams know each other so well, you can throw out the record. But uh, that's what makes these so fun. And I hope this game is as good as both of those games were in 2019 between these two teams. Before I make my prediction, though, I do have to ask you one quick question. Jamal Adams. The, the the best pass rusher right now on that Seahawks defense with two sacks. Is he going to play Sunday? You know, I would have told you yes without him missing practice today. I, I am not optimistic that Jamal Adams plays in this game. Now, I'd say right now it's a 50-50 proposition. The Seahawks want to get him back out there, but they're being cautious. So if I had to make a projection right now, don't hold me to this because, again, this is a coin flip, but I would say he's not playing in this game. Well, in that case, I'm going with the 49ers by a slim margin of victory. And I, you know what? Las Vegas thinks this is going to be closer. I thought this was going to be like a, maybe a six-point swing for the Seahawks. But I think last week really changed the minds. And uh, seeing the 49ers dominate the Patriots and seeing the Seahawks have their first loss and seeing that defense, I just think that defense right now is a problem. There's an opportunity for the Seahawks to get right on defense when they get Jamal Adams back and they just traded for Carlos Dunlap, which I'm sure will be huge. Uh, there's the rookies too, which uh, Taylor and Robinson, right? Like That could be their, literally the Seahawks' four best pass rushers at the second half of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right about that? So that's that's good. It's, it's possible, yeah. yeah <laughs> they, so, they've definitely been missing some key. And the secondary, like I said, they haven't played more than one game together right. with their four projected starters. So, so I, yeah, I came, in, I came away watching that Cardinal-Seahawks game thinking, man, that, I mean, as good as the offense is, that defense is a problem. I think the 49ers can keep their own defense off the field enough. And Kyle Shanahan, I can't wait to see what he's got dialed up and who he wants to target on that defense. I think the 49ers can pull away with a slim victory here in this game. Uh, I'm going to say 31-27 49ers. And I know my Seahawks fans that listen to the show are not going to be happy about this, but this is the first time I'm picking against the Seahawks this year too. I, I'm going to go with the final score being... 38 to 34. I'm going to go more high scoring because okay. I just I'm I just can't trust this defense right now. I really can't. Russell Wilson's going to put the points on the board. The 49ers defense has done a really nice job with all the injuries they've had, but Seattle's going to be able to score points. I'm just concerned about the Seahawks being able to stop the 49ers because I think Kyle Shanahan is outstanding when it comes to scheming up plays. I'm worried about what Seattle's going to be able to do with uh trying to slow down George Kittle in this game as well, especially if Jamal Adams doesn't play. If Adams plays, then that suddenly changes things. But again, I'm basing this off of believing he's not out there on Sunday. And and I think that really might be the difference maker. They've got some running back injuries as well. So I'm going to go with the 49ers winning this one by four. We'll see where these two teams are at when they play in week 17 again. And maybe Seattle will have some of these other guys that have been out back. 49ers have some guys that maybe will be back by that point too. Yeah. But uh, I, I just think this is going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be anxiety invoking, which Seahawks fans should know really well. I'm sure they all now have bought two or three bottles of aspirin at this point with the way games have unfolded. That here, reminds this- me, Corbin, really quick here. Uh, you started this podcast by welcoming the Niner faithful and the 12s, but there are no 12s, right? So what impact has that made for the Seahawks with that huge home field advantage that they usually have? Because I think that might swing things a little bit toward the 49ers way here. 
Yeah, at this point, I think it's just kind of the guys have all gotten used to it. And, you know, the Seahawks have won all their home games at this point that have been close calls, but uh, they obviously would love to have the fans out there. But I don't think it's had necessarily the negative effect just because pretty much every game they've played in, there hasn't been fans out there. So uh, I think it, obviously it impacts them not having one of the loudest fan bases out there at the game. But I don't think it's had as big of a impact as expected. And quite frankly, they haven't been as good at home the last couple of years anyway. So who knows how much of an effect that truly has. But Brian, it's been a blast as always. Really looking forward to this game. Listeners, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Brian at BD Peacock. Really looking forward to this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And again, probably a lot of anxiety because these two teams get together. And when they're both good, like they are right now, you can expect it is going to go down to the final whistle. And so should be a good one. I can't wait. Thanks, Corbin.